0: Um, I'd like to ask our church to stand as we stand and be still as we read the Word of God and hear what God has to say to us this morning. Um, The text we're reading from is John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. And it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing the word of God. You may be seated. Everyone, welcome to La Sierra University Church. Those of you online, wherever you are, thank you for being here with us. We've been going through uh, a series, The Bible, Racism and Us, and what a hard conversation that is. But it's a good conversation to have. And I think hard conversations are important, and I think we don't need to wait for a tragic event to have a hard conversation. And I think sometimes we set ourselves up to do that, like we need something tragic to happen on the news before we talk about it. But there's never a right time to have hard conversations. And in fact, I think if we can't have a conversation anywhere, we need to be able to have it in our church. We need to be able to talk about the hard things here. And when we have these hard conversations, when we reflect about the hardships of life, the realities of life, the reality of how sin has affected humanity, we need to be able to listen. But listening is hard. In fact, listening is really hard sometimes, because listening requires you to change your posture, to stay still sometimes, to feel what someone else is going through, you know, and to step in. But sometimes we end up hearing more than we listen. And I think we know uh, that there's a difference that exists between hearing and listening. You know, I like think about your last conversation with somebody. And sometimes maybe it's in passing or maybe it's in somebody that you might have to look up to. Sometimes conversations are a little hard. And when someone's talking to us, how fast do we uh, stop listening and begin thinking of our response? You know, we get in these conversations with people and we haven't even listened to the whole sentence. We heard one key word and like, I got to think of a response quick because I don't want to sound silly or something. And it's hard for us to stay still. You know, I think I struggle with listening sometimes. I think about um, how fast it's taken me to learn the difference between listening and hearing. I've been living with my spouse for over a year, and uh, I've learned quickly that there's a difference between listening and hearing. <laughs> Very fast, actually. Um, I think we build some habits when you're living on your own, right? And uh, I lived on my own out of school for like three years before I would decide to spend our life together. And uh, I had some habits that I'd built up. and I didn't even realize that they were a problem. You know, um, getting ready for work, getting my stuff together. You know, you pull out your drawer out of your dresser. And sometimes I don't close it because it's convenient. Like, you can just come back to it, right? It's easy. But I've had to learn to stop that because um, I realized that this is a problem for Calme. This, this story isn't a, a bash on Calme. I'm calling myself out, right? And um, I learned quickly how much of a problem it is. And Calme would call me out when I left the drawer open. And when she would call me out when she begins, Ben, you know, stop leaving the dress, instantly, I stop listening. I just hear her trying to call me out. That's the tone. And I start defending myself right away. Well, you know what? No, I got to leave it out. Instead of just feeling what she's feeling, instead of just stopping and listening to maybe it's a, it's a hazard. Maybe she's going to trip over the dress. I don't know. Maybe there's something that's a problem, but it's hard to stand still when somebody's sharing with you something. It's hard to listen. And listening is hard, but when we end up just hearing things, when we don't give people the chance to share what they're going through, it allows us to be critical without empathizing with people. And I think when we do this, we remove ourselves from this ability that God gave all of humanity from the beginning of time, that ability to connect with one another, the ability to feel with one another, to be present for one another. But we end up becoming very critical. And being critical isn't a bad thing. In fact, I think God is calling us to be critical thinkers. But when we are critical without empathizing, we end up harming one another. When we are critical without even thinking about somebody's experience, when we criticize first and don't put our heart into it, and listening with our hearts to what somebody is going through, we end up harming one another. But we live in this space where we do this, where we lead with uh, criticizing without empathizing. And because we do this, we're able to see pain and feel indifferent. We're able to see suffering in humanity and not even bat an eye. We can see dehumanization all around us and not even pause and take it in because we're not listening. And I think that this is a struggle for us. And so that's why today I'm not going to really pour into or deep dive into my life experiences, because I think that If somebody is in question, if it exists, uh, trauma or uh, any sort of tragedies that happen to black and brown bodies, I think it's very easy to find it online. You can go on Google, you can go on YouTube, look at the news, and you'll find something very quickly. But I think if everyone who's here today is here to be present, we can't deny the testimony of Jesus. And I pray that everyone here is open to listen to Jesus' story and how Jesus sets us an example how we should respond to suffering. Jesus constantly shows us how we need to respond to suffering. And this story in John 9 shows us how we can do better to respond to suffering. And even though we're broken, even though we're all flawed people, we can do better. Let's pray quick. Lord God, speak through me. I pray that we're able to connect with you and able to see where you are leading us to be people who lead in love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, I want to focus on John 9 as we've read a little bit. I want to focus on three things, and I think we're always talking about things that we can do, but today I want to talk about things that we can stop doing if we want to be people who want to be present, if we want to be people who hear stories of trauma and just are able to sit in there and feel and ask, what can I do next, rather than just asking questions. And I want us to just focus in on these three things, these three don'ts, if I may, as we go through it. So I'm going to dive back into our verse that we just read. And it says, as he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Such a powerful response Jesus makes there. Very simple, but very powerful. And it reminds me of uh, kind of our interactions when we're younger or with people that just are like not really paying attention to us. Like when I was younger... Um, That's that thing that people like to say to each other, you know, if your friend jumps off a bridge, will you do it? Like, that was me. I was down to do it, right? And so if I saw my friends doing something, I wouldn't mind trying. I got to try it once. That's how I was as a kid. And uh, they were trying to just hop over the local fence just between apartment buildings. And it was one of those metal fences with the kind of spiky top that's a little twisted. It's not like barbed wire, but it's like a little sharp. And uh, my friends hopped over it. And so being the kid I was, I decided to try it too. Hopped over this fence. Instantly got caught on my back, ripped through my whole clothes, ripped my back. I'm like in pain. I don't know if anyone ever hopped a fence and failed like that. But I was in pain, crying, went home. My mom saw me in my ripped clothing, tearing up. And the first question she asked me is like, what did you do? You know? And it's like funny because I think we do that, right? How many times do we see someone in pain or something? You're in the house, you hear a loud sound. You ask the person you live with, like, hey, what did you just do? Instead of asking, like, hey, are you Okay. Like, did something bad happen to you? You know, like, how can I help you? We end up just asking, you know, what did you do? And these, and these disciples, they see this blind man, this man who was most likely been blind from birth. He's most likely in poverty, struggling, needs help. And they see suffering, yet yeah, all they do is question. They see this man struggling and with not even anything that he could do to help himself. They don't try to help him. They don't try to be an answer, but they rather are looking for an answer for some reason. And they see the suffering, all they can do is questioning. And the first don't I want to share for us to do, the this, this first thing I want us to figure out that we have to stop doing is do not question people's pain. We prefer to do this. You know, we sit in this realm of let me just question someone's pain rather than helping. But the gospel doesn't necessarily teach us just to sit in questioning. In fact, the gospel teaches us to step in. That's why Jesus is always in these stories. He sees people, and he stops, and he steps in. He sees someone struggling. He sees people even when he's not even paying attention. He stops, and he steps in. Do not question people's pain, and we find ourselves seeking for answers. You know, I think humanity in our in our life of questioning, when things are not perfect, we find ourselves seeking answers, and like it's almost like the answers we want will give us an excuse to accept someone's pain. It's like we're okay with some answer. Like, let me ask about it because maybe there's an answer that I can be like, okay, I'm good. I can leave it. But there's no answer that's good enough for us to ignore pain. And it's like we want us an answer that, that is okay for us to accept someone's problem, but Jesus is very special. Jesus is different. That's why he shows us examples. Jesus sees somebody's pain and he says, this is an opportunity that God might be displayed. Do we see suffering and are we able to see like this is an opportunity that God can be shown in suffering. And I think what's important that we need to realize that suffering doesn't always need an answer. When we see suffering on the news everywhere, it doesn't need an answer, but suffering is always an opportunity for us to step in with love. When we see the news and we hear about the police killing somebody, when we see the news and we see people getting whipped at borders, when we see racism in our work, at school, in our church, in our communities where we feel safe, when we see people being discriminated against, May we see this as an opportunity to display God's love. May we see it as an opportunity for us to represent who Jesus is and the example Jesus leaves for us, rather than just being people who sit in questioning. God calls us to do more than ask questions. We'll continue on in the text, and it says, verses 13. We'll go on. And it says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly been blind. Now it was Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division amongst them. So they began they began again to the blind man and said, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And the blind man said, He is a prophet. This part of the story is quite disheartening because the religious people are the least faithful. The people who are the religious leaders are not seeing Jesus move. And, and I think this happens to us, you know, like being super religious does not protect you from discounting people's stories. We think that because we follow rules and we do things that uh, maybe our church group does makes us perfect, but we're not perfect, especially if we're not listening to people. and And we see ourselves in this story because instead of, celebrating with this man who now can see, this person who was born blind, this person who's struggled all their life, the first thing that these Pharisees do is water down this person's story. And they water down this person's story specifically because their experience, the experience of the blind man, doesn't match their worldview. And this is a scary thing. My second do not is do not water down somebody's experience just because it doesn't match your worldview. And this comes from a place of complacency, like we build our own worldviews and our own perspectives that it's okay for certain things to happen. And, and we know that it's hard to accept some people's story because forever, if we accept it, our worldview has to change. So it's easier to ignore and push people out, push certain situations out so that I can keep thinking how I think. I keep doing things how I think. And they could not grasp that Jesus could have healed this man who was blind because in their worldview, Jesus was a sinner was a wizard of some sort, was someone that was against the church, was doing all these things. And this can be us. We force people into our box of life. We force people into our box of worldview and that we can't accept pain coming from lips. When people are sharing things that they're going through, it's unfathomable to, unfathomable to us because it doesn't match our worldview. Like, if you think about any story that you read or any fiction that might exist, it always is hard for us to grasp that one character that's, like, evil and that switches over to being good because we can't forget about the things that we've built about them in our mind, that they're evil for sure. We can't focus on the fact that people are changing and things can happen. It's like we put somebody in a box and they got to stay there. We have these views of people in our world and it stays there, but it's not always like that. And if we And if these... Pharisees just accepted the blind man's story. They couldn't continue just to think how Jesus was. They couldn't continue to put Jesus in this box. If we truly accepted that the people in our world, the people around us, how everybody treated equally, if we fully, fully accepted that racism is real, if we fully accept that people discriminated regularly because of their skin and it's seen in societal systems, can we keep thinking the way that we think? If we truly listen to the stories that happen around us and we accept them, can we keep doing things the way that we do, can we really accept people's harm? I think we have to reevaluate our worldviews. If our worldview allows for discrimination, we need to reevaluate. If our worldview allows us to ignore the voices of oppressed, we need to reevaluate. If our worldview allows us to accept pain in any sort of form, struggle of any sort of form, we need to reevaluate. God is calling us to reevaluate and shape our worldview, not just a worldview that serves me, but a worldview that serves other people, the worldview that Jesus sets an example of. We'll continue on to the story, and, I'm, and uh, this is the last section I want to focus on, verses 18 on. It says, The Jews did not believe that this man had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who would receive sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he sees now, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Verse 23, therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. There's a little bit of context here that we need to understand. Um, The parents were scared to stand up for their son. Pretty sad. But they did that because there was a context that existed in their community. People could not support Jesus. People could not speak highly of Jesus. In their community, if they spoke highly of Jesus, the whole view, like I was saying, the worldview would have to change. And so, because their parents feared losing social standing or being living comfortably with other people, uh, they decided to stay silent. And sometimes we do this. We remain silent because it's a little bit risky to speak up. And this is my last do not. Do not let fear keep you silent. Sometimes we're worried about creating conflict with people because um, it's, it's, it changes our life and it makes us really uncomfortable. And the reality of stepping up for people or using your voice to stand up for those who are being hurt and oppressed and let look different will be messy. I think it's interesting because God even shows us, Jesus shows us that when he healed the man, he used to in mud. And that's really random. But I think it's so important to realize that it was a messy process. We have this weird um, thought process that we think that, you know, like we tell people, like, make sure you help others, make sure you stand up for others. Like, it's an easy thing, but it's not an easy thing. You speaking up against something, you speaking up for something might cause people to rustle their feathers. It might cause people to kind of reject you from where they are. It might cause you to have some hard conversations with your family, with your loved ones, with people that you've always held up in high viewings. That's the reality of things. Stepping up and loving people will be messy. But it's important to know that loving is much more important than fitting in. Loving people is much more important than making sure you have the best relationship with somebody you had such a high view of. Loving people that are being in pain, that are crying out every single day, that we see stories of on the news, we see stories of in our community, is so much more important than having good favor with those people that accept it or ignore it. We must follow this example of love. And when you look at the story of their parents, they lived in so much fear of excommunication. And I think, like, I remember, like, when I seen things on the news or when I shared some things that I've gone through, there's people that couldn't really spend time with me the same way. And that's a reality of life. And sometimes it's hard because, like, we feel like we're scared to be excommunicated. But the most important thing that we can realize is that God will never excommunicate you. God will never kick you out for standing up for love. God will never kick you out for loving other people. He'll never kick you out of your community or his community for showing the how to love other people. That is not God's way. I'm closing now, and I want us to realize this story, that this is a story that serves as a mirror for the human condition. It's a story about a lack of love, but thankfully, God is always working. We see how the Pharisees are. We see how the disciples respond, and they're not perfect, but Jesus shows us an example. We're always looking for things that we can do, yet I believe that there's things that we need to stop doing if we want to be people who lead in love. We have to open our eyes, we have to open our hearts, and listen to the people around us. We need to stop questioning pain. We need to stop watering down people's narrative. We need to stop being silent. Jesus saw a blind man, a man that was struggling his whole life, and knew it was an opportunity to display God. He went and healed him in a way that was uncomfortable, a way that wasn't easy. But Jesus knew that being uncomfortable is necessary for healing and restoration. Jesus didn't hesitate when he, saw, uh, when he saw this person. And as we read the end of the chapter, he never remained silent. He did what he could, and he, did, he used all his resources possible. Jesus is calling us to follow his example, to follow his example of love. And as we continue to unpack this, and as we've gone through, and I pray that we continue the conversation, you know, where are the areas in our life that we're not truly listening Why are we struggling to listen? Why are we struggling to feel? It's okay to have these things that are not easy to us because we're flawed, but we can do better. We can keep moving like Jesus. We can keep moving in love. And so let's follow Jesus' example. Let us lead in love.